Well, we heard Isaiah preach in chapter 25, and now I share with you again, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Now this is a word for you. No matter what you are worried about today, no matter what you are occupied by, or whatever is on your conscience. For many this past week, perhaps it's been the news of brutal attacks and fighting in Israel and Palestine. To be sure, the reports of violence have been horrific, and they will have consequences. The law will make sure of this, but it will not do it perfectly, nor will life be preserved fully, for this law is not where our hope lies. But now I want you to know, as Isaiah has shared, that Christ comes for all who have ears in order to take you to his wedding banquet, not just as a guest, but as his bride for you, people of faith, and to give to you brand new wedding clothes to take away the shroud of death that is cast over all peoples, over all nations, for all have sinned, we all have sinned, and the wages of our sin is death. This is the shroud that is over us all. Yet it is Christ now who takes away the sin of the world. That is your sin. So in him you are forgiven. And because of this, he has swallowed up death forever. That is your death has been defeated by Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit gives you faith now to believe this promise, even and especially in these days. So I can say to you on account of this, Grace and peace, grace and peace be yours by God our Father and his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we make, make it now three parables from Matthew that Jesus has taught in a row, and they seem to, to get progressively more difficult. You maybe remember a couple of weeks ago the parable about the two sons. One said he was going to work and didn't. The other said he wasn't going to work and he did that almost seems like child's play compared to the last couple of weeks. Last week we had the parable of the wicked tenants who killed the son of the landowner when they didn't want to pay their rent. By the end of that one, you, re you may recall that the chief priests who Jesus was preaching to were ready to arrest him, but they waited. So this week we get the grand finale, and it is a doozy. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son, the prince, but nobody showed up. Can you imagine this? Now, I can recall I was a child in the 80s, and my mom was quite interested in a royal wedding. You maybe remember it, uh, the wedding of Prince Charles and Princess Diana. I mean, it is still lore uh, decades later. And my, I wouldn't have remembered much about it except that my mother had a hardcover book uh, that sat on our coffee table in the living room, uh, and it was full of glossy pictures of Charles and Diana as they were dating and this royal wedding uh, at the uh, beautiful uh, church near Buckingham Palace. Uh, and it was quite a deal. And I suspect that if any of us had received an invitation to this wedding, and maybe one of you has, you come tell me if you were invited to this wedding, I'd love to hear about it. 
But if you had received an invitation, you would make every effort to go. I suspect this is the case. So it's shocking to hear in Jesus' parable that the king has a beautiful wedding for his son, the prince, and no one showed up for the banquet. So the king sent his slaves out to tell all of the people about the rich food that he prepared. He said, well, I've killed the fatted calves. I have uh, all of the animals are ready to be eaten. Uh, and there's no refrigerator, so come and eat. This was a reminder for those who were first invited. And they said, nah, I don't think so. I'm busy this weekend. And then beyond that, some of them even took the slaves and mistreated them and even killed them. Well, that sounds a little like last week. But instead of the chief priests suggesting that the uh, landowner take the lives of the dishonest tenants, Jesus says here that the king was enraged. And he sends his troops out not only to murder, not only to destroy the murderers, but to burn their whole city. And that is a rough and tumble part of this parable. Anytime you hear it, perhaps this week it cuts a bit close. Kings usually operate by the law, however. This is their authority. And this is the law in spades. But Jesus goes on. He doesn't end there. He says the king sent his slaves out to invite more people this time both good and bad. That is both good people and scoundrels. It didn't matter. You're invited. And this time they came and filled the wedding hall. Now, this could be a decent end to the story. At least the wedding hall was full. There was a party. And wouldn't this make us all happy? But Jesus is not done yet either. He continues. He says, In this full and festive wedding hall where there was much joy, I'm sure, and great food, great drink, the king noticed there was one man who was not wearing a wedding robe. Now, you might worry about this poor guy. You might wonder, maybe he couldn't afford new clothes. But in Jesus' day, it was common for the wedding host to provide a new wedding robe for each guest at the door. Now, this is not quite as common in our day. We have to figure out what to wear to the wedding when you are a guest. Though not always uh, I was a best man for a high school friend of mine. He had grown up in Vietnam, and his wedding was full of customs uh, that I wasn't used to, though it was a delight, with multiple ceremonies, an amazing seven-course meal, the likes of which I've never seen before or after. Uh, and for being in the wedding party, my friend bought all of his groomsmen new suits. So I did get the wedding robe for this particular wedding, we were generously giving, given new wedding clothes for the full day of celebration. In Jesus' day, it was the same, but not just for the groomsmen, but for all the guests. Yet here was a man who didn't have these clothes. And again, the law was at work in this parable, and the king asks him, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And the man had no answer, no confession. And so he was bound and thrown into the outer darkness. And again, you might cringe at this, but the law is at work. On first blush, you may hear this parable and wish it had ended a bit earlier. But I tell you that this wedding robe now is everything for you. It is everything for you. It is your baptismal robe. It is your forgiveness of sins. You maybe recall last week, little Lou was baptized and had this beautiful, long, baptismal robe well, you have this now too, you who have been baptized. This is Christ's promise for you.
this robe is given to you, apart from anything that you've done, apart from your goodness or your badness, even as you may work hard on these things. The truth is that it's not just anyone who is welcome at the wedding banquet. There is a dress code, after all. And the robe is for those whose sins have been forgiven, for those who have faith in Christ. Now, theoretically, if we just leave that as a theory, it still is a bit of a scary distinction. But now I must tell you that it includes you. You are included. That you are not just left with an invitation to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down to. No. God has chosen you. You who have been baptized into Christ. You who have this word given for your sake. And here is your robe. Your sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. And now that you have a robe, well, you can rest in the righteousness of Christ who is also the good shepherd. And Psalm 23 reminds us, now you have a shepherd who supplies all of your needs. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, he leads you through it. Notice this doesn't mean that you will avoid death, but Christ, who is your good shepherd now, leads the way to resurrection where the banquet table will be overflowing for you. And maybe there will be sushi there, maybe spaghetti, uh, whatever you like, you'll have as much as you want. And now that you have this robe, well, Paul can remind you, like he did the Philippians, to not worry about anything. And you might wonder, well, how is this possible? Paul says, worry about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, Paul says, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This means that you may not understand everything that's going on around you. But Christ Jesus has you now in the midst of it all. He holds you now in the midst of it all, guarding your heart and your mind that is giving you faith to believe his promise above everything else. God is faithful in Christ and he has you no matter what. You have more than an invitation here. You have a robe. This means that unlike the man who was without, you have a confession. It is Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. Soon we will have a foretaste of this wedding banquet in which Christ is the groom and you, the church, are the bride. Christ gives his all for you, his body and his blood given and shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And in this world full of law and death, know that Christ has destroyed the shroud that is cast over all peoples, over all nations. For he will wipe away the tears from all faces, and he swallows up death forever. Amen.